What if you could become a better person, not by working harder, but by taking one small step a day? And not because you're a bad person now, but because there's something inside you that's ready for more. How to be a better person gives you one tiny step a day you can take to be the person you want to be. My mission? To help you live your best life. Hey there, and welcome to How to Be a Better Person. I'm Kate, your host and author of the book, How to Be a Better Person. This week on the podcast, I'm talking about the topic of recovery, whether you think of it in terms of healing from an illness or an injury, or as getting back something that you've lost, or as recovering from an addiction. Just based on where we are in history with an incredibly stressful, almost two full years in the rearview mirror, and then coming off the holidays where it's so easy to eat and drink and smoke or use to excess... I just think recovery is an idea that we could all use a dose of right about now. Today's big idea is that we have a cultural bias against recovery. Because if you're recovering from something, then something must have been kicking your butt. And we're not great at tolerating quote unquote weakness. So if you're recovering, it's almost like you failed. When actually recovery is a very hopeful and positive thing. So To share some of those positive things with us, I am talking today with Billy Manis, a recovering addict and author of the book Kick-Ass Recovery. Billy is also a top contributor on Elephant Journal, where he writes a lot about addiction, naturally. He also writes writes a lot about relationships, which are some of his most shared articles, so you got to check those out. And he writes some about mindset. And Billy's a singer-songwriter who's super talented and spends most weekends playing in the vineyards around the Hudson Valley, which is where he lives. Billy, I'm so excited to have you here today. It is so good to hear you again. (laughs) (laughs) It's awesome to be in your company. and We've had a good time chatting before we even hit the record button. So let's catch everybody up on what we've been talking about. How do you define recovery? I define recovery as making any kind of positive change from a a place where you feel, this is all by your own perception, where you feel like your life is becoming unmanageable for some reason, whether it doesn't even have to be uh, mood or mind altering substances, it can be just about anything, anything where you are doing things against your own will, and then making positive changes to diminish that behavior. That to me is recovery. And has that always been the way that you think about recovery? Not at all. No. Actually, my first 11 years of sobriety uh, was 12-step based, um, which is, you know, as most people know, is complete and utter abstinence from all mood and mind-altering substances and a whole lot of God and prayer and meditation. As things are changing in the world, which they are drastically changing, I am beginning to embrace a much more inclusive idea of what recovery is. Got it. And can you tell us a little bit about how you came to be in recovery? Yes. Okay. So I was hitting bottom. I'm, I'm one of those uh, garden variety cliche stories of the addict who was scraping bottom by the time they got themselves some help. I had gotten to the point where I was using... Uh, for no real reason, except that I couldn't stop. And what was happening was I was becoming ill from it. So I, I, the, the, the last summer, I wound up in the emergency room 
and being admitted numerous times. And it was like, it was becoming almost in retrospect, almost comedic that they were like, I had no insurance. I had no job. So they pretty much stuck me on IV and got me to the point where I wasn't going to croak and then kick me out. <laughs> like you have no insurance and you know, we, you know, so we're just going to give you some saline and some IV and undehydrate you. And then you're, you're out of here because you know, you have no way to uh, pay us. So this was going on. And at one point I had gotten so that they sent me home with prednisone and lots of it. And um, a next door neighbor came by and he was, and he told me he had some amphetamines, Adderall or something like that. And I wanted to buy everything he had. I had no money. I had, I spent like, I was like Jack in the beanstalk. I spent like every dime and I could scrape up on just this pile of white pills. Right. So I take them. And when they mixed with the prednisone, I seriously thought I was going to have, like, I felt the closest thing to having a heart attack without actually having one. I really thought like my beats per minute must've been like seriously unhealthy. And I, and I was scared, really scared. And, um, that's when I realized that, you know, I got to the point where I was like, why did you, you know, why did you do that? You did not want to do that. It doesn't even feel good. You just did it because you can't not do it. It is time to get help. And so I drank and drank and drank. And I sat there out in front of the bakery by my house and the sun was coming up and I was like wrecked from the, the speed, the prednisone, the alcohol. And this little family comes by to go get breakfast at the bakery and they walk really far around me. And I realized that the reason why is because I look so terrible. They don't want to go anywhere near me because they really don't know what I have and they don't want to catch whatever it is. And I could feel myself getting ready to cry because I just looked at the family with the kids and thought to myself, you know, what, this is what you, you shut yourself out from this. You will never have this. See, you know, you see that like joy that those people have with their children. That's, you don't get that because you get white pills instead. And that's when I decided Hmm. I I want that and not the white pills anymore. Thanks for sharing that with us. I'm, I'm sorry that I laughed earlier. You said it was almost comedic and I could kind of, I just, I really just want to say, I I appreciate you sharing your vulnerable story. No, no, it's thank you. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I got a couple more questions for you, Billy, but I want to okay. take a quick break first. Okay, welcome back. So, Billy, what do you wish more people understood about addiction and the recovery process? Lately, well, I'm evolving as a person and as a thinker and as a writer. So, lately, I've been very interested in harm reduction, which is I want people to understand more than anything that if if they don't vibe with 12-step AANA, there is a place for them at the table. There are other avenues, so many other avenues. If a person wants to do something about their situation and don't necessarily want to sit in a church basement and drink bad coffee, there's other things that can happen and there's other, you know, I just want the world to know that it is inclusive. We, everybody is welcome here. Awesome. And when you say harm reduction, what do you what do you mean by that? Like just as a concept, not necessarily specifically, but like 
it's the opposite of complete abstinence from all mood and mind altering substances. In other words, you know, if you find yourself becoming unmanageable with your consumption of alcohol, you don't necessarily, I don't think that people necessarily have to completely stop, you know, forever. Everybody can make their own, everybody can make their own program. They can get a therapist, they can get help, they can get a recovery coach, they can get somebody and they can do it in a way that's not as, just not as stringent and, and closed off as the old fashioned ways. Okay, great. Before the break, you were sharing with us kind of your rock bottom story about how you saw the family and you felt like, you know, that wasn't a possibility for you. And yet now you have three beautiful daughters, right? You have that life that felt closed off from you. You published a book, you know, you're an author, you're a musical artist. And I'm curious whether you want to talk about how you did it in your own life or, you know, you write in your book about how many of the habits and the skills and the kind of coping mechanisms that we might develop as the result of an addiction are the very same habits and skills that will help us build a life that we love, you know, through the recovery process, right? Which is about making your life more manageable and yeah. making things better for yourself. So <laughs> how does that help us understand how that's possible? In my own case, I had some post-addiction depression that I was dealing with, even though I was going to meetings and stuff like that, and I was uh, staying sober, I was really battling what I had originally been struggling with before I started using in the first place, which is what I was self-medicating at the time. I, you know, I had depression. And so the drugs got taken away, but the depression came back twice as strong. What wound up happening was I found relief in self-help and just all the great speakers. <laughs> uh, I would, I got to the point where I was listening to it just to soothe me. I mean, I wasn't even really doing the X's or, or, you know, even absorbing, you know, a lot of time what they were saying. It was the soothing quality of, you know, things can be great. And, and I would just play it while I was working and it just play it and play it and play it. And it became part of me after so many years. And I decided that, it would be a great idea to mix the two things together because I can't be the only one who's dealing with this. And so maybe somebody else can benefit from these principles in recovery and not just, you know, trying to make a million dollars. Right, right. What were some of the self-help books? I mean, first of all, <laughs> let's hear it for self-help. Whoop, whoop. <laughs> but what were some of the, oh, man. What were some of the books the that you listened to? Uh, 25 CD Tony Robbins personal power thing, which was like, I know a lot of people are like, oh God, Tony Robbins. Nice. But I mean, I really, I, I, it just changed my entire brain chemistry, I think. Just like, you know, playing that stuff in my car on the way to work, it just made me mm -hmm. feel different. And then, um, and then I discovered Jen Sincero, You Are a Badass. She was another hero of mine mm -hmm. who I got to meet, by the way. That was wonderful. So uh, Tony so Robbins, cool. Jen Sincero, uh, and Wayne Dyer was another one. Just, uh, you know, once I started, uh, you know, going down that rabbit mm -hmm. hole, I absorbed and, and just consumed every possible thing I could. Right. Billy, you and I talked about kind of a special treat for our listeners at the end of this episode, and we're getting up 
close to the time when we need to get that started. But before we do that, I just want to ask you quickly, how can someone who's listening or any, you know, average person tell when recovery is maybe something that might be helpful for them? Like I said earlier, when you find yourself doing things for no real reason, but that you can't help yourself from doing them, that's a good indication. When you find yourself waking up in the morning, feeling ashamed of yourself for one thing or another, that's another good indication. Or just that feeling in your gut that something needs to change. That's, um, you know, you know it when you know it. So since you're a singer-songwriter, could you play us a song to end this episode and sing us back out into our day? Awesome. Okay, while you get your guitar on, I just want to say to you listening, this means that there's no tiny assignment today. Um, I'm not going to come back on at the end. And also, Billy, before you start playing, will you tell us where we can find you and hear more from you? Yes, I am Billy Manis, and I am on all the uh, platforms, you know, that middle-aged people are on Facebook, <laughs> Instagram, <laughs> uh, Twitter, uh, and also BillyManis.com, just my name.com. Okay, um, great. And how do you spell Manis? M-A-N-A-S. Awesome. And the name of your book is? Kick-Ass Recovery. Awesome. Okay, great. Ready? Ready. Okay.
the face of what's true. Did you lay there standing on your own? Thanks for listening to How to Be a Better Person. Our theme song is Left for Deadish by Junior85. The podcast is mixed by Sound Advice Strategies. If you liked what you heard in this episode, share it with someone you think would like it too. Your voice matters. Also, How to Be a Better Person has an official newsletter that sends the past seven episodes, a sneak peek of the week ahead, and one well-chosen meme to your inbox every Saturday morning. Sign up at BeABetterPersonPodcast.com and click on Get Podcast News. I also love to hear from listeners. I mean, I love it. Send me an email by clicking on the Contact Kate button at BeABetterPersonPodcast.com. Tweet me at Kate Han, K-A-T-E-H-A-N, or find me on Instagram at Kate Hanley Author. I look forward to connecting with you. 